Amen. Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. Well, amen. It's good to be in the house of God. Amen. amen. Pastor, again, thank you. I'm glad you get to sit with your wife tonight. I know that's always an honor. Some preachers always have to sit up here on the stage. And uh, I stopped in at First Baptist Church in Milford one time, and Pastor Dutchery just asked me to preach, and I said, that'd be great. And he said, I'm going to go sit with my wife. Amen. So I hope she enjoys it as much as you will. <laughs> amen. <laughs> Uh, well, again, it is it is good to be here. Um, I, I praise the Lord. I, that song, Brethren, We Have Met to Worship, should be the theme of the reason why we walk through those double doors. Um, so many times we come to church for so many different reasons. But it is the house of God. It's His house. And it's the place where we to come, we're to come. He called it the house of prayer. It's a place where we can come and pray. But it's also a place where we can come and just, just worship. And I hope tonight that... Uh, that we can do that just a little bit, amen? And I, I hope the, the services this evening will be a blessing to you. If you uh, have your Bibles tonight, please take them and turn to Genesis chapter number 22. If you're able to stand with me this evening, I'll read the first uh, six verses, first five verses, if I may, and then uh, I'm going to do my best tonight to preach a little message entitled, Replacing Worry with Worship. And I, I hope that it'll... It'll be a, a challenge to you as well as a blessing. Uh, in my mind, I think, when I think about missions, we're, we're in the beginning of a mission program. Uh, but what you're receiving tonight, most of the world doesn't get. And what missions really is, is empowering preachers to go and tell the world what we get on a regular basis. Amen? Uh, so I hope this will be a blessing to you tonight. Genesis 22 and verse 1. The Lord says through inspiration, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. In verse 3, And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took the two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. And he clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place uh, of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the young lad will go yonder and worship. And come again to you. Father, this evening we're grateful for Calvary. And Lord, I appreciate the uh, opportunity and the privilege to stand here this evening. Father, I really don't take this lightly whatsoever. Uh, Lord, I know that you have placed me here tonight to speak to your people. Lord, if there's someone discouraged in the room today, I pray, Lord, that replacing worry with worship will cause us to understand that you have everything under control. Lord, if there's someone lost today, I pray tonight that, that they will understand that without Christ, they will see an eternal lake of fire. But Lord Jesus, I pray especially tonight that your name would be magnified and glorified and you'd receive all honor in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Thank you and be seated tonight. Boy, the Lord's given us modern day preachers um, uh, really some great tools to study with. Amen. Uh, the old days, the books, Charles Spurgeon and the other great men, even Jack Kyles and John R. Rice and all of those men that have preceded us would have to go to their giant library to research all these different topics that they may begin to preach. And, but we've been given the, the privilege of having a, a Bible app with a word search and, and, and different tools that we can use to study our Bible and to come up with so many different thoughts for us to preach. I thank the Lord for those tools. I really do. It makes it a blessing for me uh, to be able to flood my mind with the thoughts that I'm trying to, first of all, I worship the Lord in my own heart with, but then that I could give you something. The very first time we see that word worship found in our King James Bible is this very account where Abraham was summoned by God in heaven to take his only child, the promised child, the child that would be the leader of the great nation of Israel, and take him to the top of the mountain and sacrifice him. 
we know that the Lord was testing uh, Abraham's faith. As you travel through your Bible, you'll see the word faith used quite often, but most of the time it's dealing with the lack of it. There's only one place in the Bible where a man has been referred to as a man with great faith, and that was a centurion that had summoned Jesus to come and to heal his servant. And Jesus said, well, I will go to your house. And the centurion said, no, Father, please, just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus would tell the disciples, greater faith have I never seen than this man right here. Wouldn't that be something to have that said of us? Uh, I'm afraid um, I would probably fall into the category of little faith sometimes. (laughs) Amen. Uh, Don't look at me funny. You are in that same category as well. But I do try and exercise great faith in my walk with the Lord and my work for the Lord. Uh, I just believe God wants to do great things in these days. I do. Uh, It's not going to get done at the Capitol Hill, amen. It's going to get done right here in the pulpit and it's going to get done in the pew. Those will be the great things that take place. Abraham was being tested. He was being tried. He was to take his only son and to take him to a place where God had said... And put him on the altar and sacrifice him. Can you travel back in your mind with me for just a minute and picture that? Picture a daddy um, with his child. Of course, he had to wait till he was 100 years old to get that boy. Amen. And then all of a sudden, God said, well, I'm glad you enjoy him, but I want him back. Take him up and offer him to me. So uh, did you notice Abraham's reaction? He didn't complain. He did not complain whatsoever. He didn't even question God. The Bible said he arose up and he took the son, didn't he? He just took him. He didn't wait to see if God was going to change his mind. He just went. What a great picture we have of a man of great faith. And what I really noticed was he didn't worry. He had so much confidence that God would either spare his son or raise him up. That he would tell those young men that went with him, you stay here with the mules and me and the boy are going to go up and worship and we will return unto you. Now that's great faith. That's great confidence. He set out immediately to worship. You know, I believe God asks us to worship in many different ways. There's so many different ways. Just being faithful to church is a form of worship. Being good to the the men of God is, is a form of worship. Singing in the choir is a form of worship. Soul winning on Saturday. Actually, can I say soul winning from Monday morning till uh, Sunday night is, amen, uh, is the practice that we ought to have. Wherever we are, wherever we go, we ought to be soul conscious. But here, Abraham set out to worship the Lord. But I want you to see in Genesis 12 or 22, 12, the Bible said, um, I like it, verse 11, and the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here am I. I think he was waiting to hear from heaven. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad Neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son from me. Amen. Thy only son from me. The very instrument that was designed to take the life of young Isaac was then turned and used to cut the ropes that had him bound on the altar. Amen. God can take your trial and turn it into a triumph. He can take your past, whatever it may be, and and use your past for the glory of God and for the good of sinners. Amen. He can take anything and turn it into something magnificent. Look what he did out of dirt. Amen. The devil tried to use the cross to kill our Savior, didn't he? Only needed that cross one time. Hallelujah. There's a crowd out there today that puts him on the cross every day of their life and tries to, to kill him and to sacrifice him every time they come to a service. And that crowd doesn't believe the same way I believe, amen. Jesus went to that cross one time, died one time, was buried one time, rose one time, and he's coming again, amen. And they're never going to spit on my Savior again. 
Hallelujah. That's enough to make a Presbyterian shout. Y'all just looking at me funny. (laughs) But that very instrument that the devil tried to take our Savior out with, God has used it to bring life to billions of people. Amen? And he'll continue to do that. But I want you to notice what God said that he learned about Abraham by his lack of worry, by his lack of worry and his willing spirit. For now I know that thou fearest God. Wow. Did you ever think about that little phrase, the fear of God? I read a book by S. Franklin Logston entitled The Fear of God. He used to pastor the Moody Baptist or the Moody Bible Church. I, I guess it's a Baptist church. I can't remember what it was over at the, the Moody Church. And, and he pastored it for several years, went on to Canada to pastor. But he wrote, he was the author of probably about six or seven books, all of which I, I have in my library and I've read. I have a tendency once I get a hold of an author that speaks to my heart, uh, I begin to gather all of their books and to read them. He made his statement in a Lingering at Calvary, which was the first book I was experienced of the author. And, and he said, he talked about the Niagara's of God's grace. I thought, wow, what a picture. What a picture of God's grace. But when I got this little book entitled The Fear of the Lord, I can honestly say, and my wife can attest to this, that little book literally revolutionized my Christian life. Now, there's one problem and then one resolved to the problem. It's out of print. It has no ISBN number. I bought probably every one you can find on eBay and have given them away, so you're probably not going to find one. But the good news is I researched. No ISBN number. The publishing house is closed. No nothing. So I'm putting it back in print. It meant that much to me. It means that much to me. Listen to what Franklin Logston said about this topic. Proverbs 8.13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. If you hate evil, you won't dabble with it. Can I get an amen? If you hate evil, when its presence comes into your presence, you will abhor it, turn away from it, flee from it. It'll make you sick. It'll make you mad. It'll It should cause you to be angry. Righteous anger, there's nothing wrong with. He said this, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, but the reader will soon discover that the fear of God cannot be defined specifically, adequately, or satisfactorily. What may be discovered, however, is that the whole interesting and important matter resolves itself to a definite consciousness of the divine presence in the daily life of the believer. The fear of the Lord throughout your Bible just simply means dwelling in His presence at all time. Dwelling in His presence at all time. You can't get where Jesus isn't, amen? He's everywhere. Well, I'd like to to help you tonight uh, to effectively teach the fear of the Lord really would take hours. But that fundamental and simple truth is to realize that we just can't get where God isn't. Uh, Even if you think nobody's looking, God's there. I believe you'll understand just a little bit better about dwelling in His presence when we see the size of God explained in the Scriptures. Take your Bibles tonight and turn to Isaiah chapter 48. Isaiah chapter number 48. We'll read verse uh, 12 and 13. The Bible says, Hearken unto me, O Jacob and Israel... My called. I am He, I am the first, I also am the last. Listen to verse 13. My hand also hath laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand hath spanned the heavens. When I call unto them, they stand up together. Hallelujah. Well, I want to talk about His hand for just a minute. On January 11th of 2018, The NASA Hubble telescope found a cluster of stars that's 13.3 billion light years away from the planet Earth. That's a pretty good distance, amen? Uh, Now let me explain 13.3 billion light years for you tonight. Light travels at the rate of 186,000 miles per second. A light year is how far that light will travel in a year's time. 
When you do the math, you'll find out that that's right about 5.8 trillion miles per year. So if you could get into a rocket ship tonight and load that baby up with some rocket fuel and start flying at the rate of 186,000 miles per second, 5.8 trillion miles per year, it would take you 13.3 billion years to fly from the tip of God's thumb to the tip of his little finger. Now that's a big God. Amen? Uh, You may be able to run, but I promise you, you're not going to hide. Amen? Well, if his hand is is that big, and, and actually when you do the math, that's just shy of 80 sectillion miles away. That's 80 with 21 zeros. It'll be the national debt when the Democrats get back into office. (laughs) So, I certainly hope you're not a Democrat. If you're in, you're probably in the wrong church. Although you could get saved, amen. I hope we're okay tonight. (laughs) So, if his hand is that big... And the average man stands almost eight hands tall. I measured my hand today. It's nine and a quarter inches. I have a pretty good size hand. That would make God somewhere in the neighborhood of 640 sectillion miles tall. (laughs) Now, give or take, I may have missed it by a trillion miles or so. But that's a pretty big God, isn't it? But that's just the galaxies that we know. There's really no way to describe him. The Bible says he has to humble, humble himself just to look down upon us. There's a star out there called Canis Majoris. Canis Majoris, if the earth were the size of a golf ball, had anybody ever seen that little story? If the earth were a golf ball, amen. If the earth was the size of a golf ball, you could fill Texas up two and a half feet tall with the amount of earth that would fit into the Canis Majoris, the largest star known to man. That's, that's amazing, isn't it? I'm trying to wake you all up tonight. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You're going to have to help me tonight. Can I tell you that the fear of the Lord is an amazing place of comfort? Can I just share a few thoughts with you tonight? It'll give you confidence that he can turn your destructive uh, addictions or habits into productive ones. Amen? And we all have them. Some, uh, I was talking, I believe, to Brother Kavanaugh, and he pulled out a cell phone and said, Yeah, some people even have addictions to these. <laughs> Amen, Brother Van Orn. That's good preaching. Uh, we actually are, are uh, uh, one of our men in the ministry for the public school ministry has a, has a lesson taught on addictions to cell phones. And he gives a lot of different statistics. Some of you may get that little screen thing that comes up once a week that tells you how many hours you've been on your cell phone a week. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody in here know what I'm talking about? Four hours, six hours, eight hours? The Bible says, Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him that glory may dwell in our land. Can I tell you to give you deliverance from your enemies? But the Lord your God ye shall fear, and he shall deliver you out of the hand of all your enemies. Dwelling in his presence is a great place. It will give you peace in the process, for as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. Great mercy. Take your Bible when you start in the book of Genesis to read your Bible from cover to cover. Take an orange marker and mark every place in your Bible where it deals with being in the presence of God or the fear of the Lord or the fear of God. You'll be amazed how your Bible will be speckled with the color orange. It'll give you fruit beyond your wildest imaginations. Proverbs 22.4 By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. It'll keep your thought life in check. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things He hath done for you. If you just think about His goodness for a while, amen, and hang out in His presence, it'll keep your thought life in check. It'll even keep your tongue bridled. King David was a God-fearing man, and this was his prayer. I said, I will take heed to my ways, that I not sin with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. Keep his mouth in check. 
It'll give you courage to step out in faith. And, and I believe, Brother Kavanaugh, you're absolutely right. We need some young men that'll just by faith climb up the mountain, amen, and put themselves on the altar of sacrifice and say, Lord, here I am. Use me. We need some young men. We need some young men in the business world that won't be afraid to proclaim the truth that they're a born-again Bible-believing Christian. Integrity. To have the integrity of a Christian. I, I read a book, um, Do the Right Thing, by Commander Scott Waddle. He was the, the, the captain of that nuclear submarine that surfaced as some delegates were on, uh, uh, on board. And he did the emergency surface just to show off the power of the nuclear submarine. But little did he know, he, he missed one of the safety procedures. And that submarine crashed into a Chinese fisherman's boat, killing nine of those men. Commander Scott Waddle would tell those men, his, after the rescue efforts were complete, he would tell his staff, the people on the, uh, on the um, submarine, to do the right thing, tell the truth. I was preaching several years ago in Florida, and I made reference to that book, and a, a young man came up to me and says, I was a captain on that ship. He said, wasn't the captain, but he was an officer on that ship. And he said this, Brother Van Hort, he said, the Naval Academy teaches us integrity. He said it's a three-step process. Step number one is to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Can I say today, sadly, we live in a society that has destroyed that process? Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. But yet most of the children, most of the people, most of our society that is unchurched does not know the difference between good and evil. It's a, if it feels good, do it society. Please be careful to judge their, their um, activities and shoot for the heart. God will judge that activity once we get them saved. He said, number two, choose to do right. You'll have a conscious decision to choose whether to do right or do wrong. And he said, choose to do right. But then he said, the third element in the missing link to integrity, true integrity, is being willing to proclaim why you chose right. In other words, young people, it's I'm not going to the party. Not because mom and dad won't let me, but because I'm a born-again Bible-believing Christian and God hates that stuff and I love God. Give you courage to step out by faith and do great things for the Lord. And Joseph said unto them the third day, This do and live, for I fear God. Amen. Wouldn't you believe that Joseph did great things? Hallelujah. But it will cause us to worship. The Bible says in Psalms 100 and verse 2, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Come before His presence with singing. Don't come before His presence complaining. We come before His presence with complaining. Chances are we're not going to get a whole lot with Him. Amen. We're not going to get very far. But when we come praising Him, allowing Him to be God, allowing Him to allow you to be tempted and to try it. I don't think anyone in here has ever been asked of God to sacrifice your child on an altar. But yet if you were, would you complain? Would you question him? Would you wait for a while to see if he changed his mind? Would you worry or be like our picture of the Lord in the Bible with Abraham as he just immediately went forward? I do believe the missing element that creates the desire to serve the Lord and really to become soul winners, it can be found in that word worship. It really can. It can be found in that simple word worship. We see that Jesus taught the woman of the well this truth. She said, but the hour cometh and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Are you a true worshiper tonight? I try my best. I really do. Are you a true worshiper? Do you, do you try to be a better Christian today than you were yesterday? But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. He's seeking that type of a worship. What a savior. Worship has this according to Noah's, has the meaning of this according to Noah Webster in 1828 dictionary. It's chiefly and eminently 
uh, the act of praying divine honor to the supreme being or the reverence and homage, respect paid by external actions, paid to him in religious exercises consisting in the adoration, confession, prayer, thanksgiving, and the like. Well, I guess really true worship, um, when it's exercised, you'll not really care who's around you or what they're saying about you. I get told I'm crazy all the time. Matter of fact, my dad has a light verse for me, Matthew 17, 15. Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's lunatic. Amen. <laughs> we just came back from the South Carolina Blitz. Um, I know Brother Herman will, will uh, he, he tells you a lot of stories about the, the prison revivals, doesn't he, when he gives testimony? And, and, and he can get excited, can he? I love Brother Herman. But I wish you could take part in one of two meetings annually that Rock of Ages has. Uh, in Alabama down near um, Birmingham in Wetumpka, uh, we have what's called the Alabama campaign every year. And every year we'll meet on Sunday or on Monday night, and a preacher will preach. It's a great time. And then um, a Tuesday morning, uh, we'll have another preacher in the morning for a, a little bit and some training, and then, and then we'll eat, and then we'll disperse out into 8 or 10 or sometimes up to 11 different prisons. We'll come back that next morning, Wednesday morning, for another time of uh, uh, church services in the morning. And, and boy, the testimony times start breaking out uh, in them, the early morning worship services. And next thing you know, you got a, a person crying over here and saying they got to lead their first person to the Lord. Or they began to tell a story what took place here and there. And, and, and boy, the morning service just, if I can say, just gets out of the banks every once in a while. I'm not talking about trying to muster something up in some type of a fake worship. I'm talking that the Holy Ghost of God just kind of sweeps through. Have you ever been in a service like that? It's amazing. We just came back from the South Carolina Blitz. And, and honestly, preacher, I, uh, I, I was, they, they began to sing that, Brethren, we have met to worship the day after the first meeting when we had 70-some souls come to know the Christ as their Savior the night before. 70-some souls got saved and the people were getting pretty happy. And that song began to sing, and, and it just kind of broke out in worship with some people raising their hands like this. And next thing you know, somebody's shouting, amen? And one poor old boy from Virginia, hallelujah, he got real happy. I mean, he had a good time. And when the preacher got up and he began to preach, he began to preach and to exalt the Savior at such a point that we couldn't even hear him preaching for the shouting. You say, that's crazy. Uh, well, I wish you could just be there. I told you I've got a little bit of Baptocostal in me, amen. I don't speak in tongues. <laughs> um, don't do that stuff. But, uh, but I don't mind getting excited about the Lord every once in a while. You can get lost in worship. Indiendo en poco español, señor. That means I just know a little bit, and that's about the only line I know. Or por favor, lea. Please read this. I'll pass out a gospel, a Spanish track in gospel. Amen. The mark of a true worshiper can be found in his character. They will only want to listen to music that brings honor and glory to the name of God. You know, there's only two types of music. I found in Second Quranic, or in uh, Daniel chapter three and verse four that when music is played, other than music that brings glory to God, you're real, really. Um, worshiping a false idol. Then a herald cried aloud to you, it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. Well, I tell you, I, I love getting lost in some good music, amen? Good Christian music, music about the blood of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Well, you ought to just memorize that. You ought to sing what can wash away uh, your sin, nothing but the blood of Jesus at least once a day. Amen. Uh, we ought to get those songs in our mind because when they run through our mind, those are the songs that's ushering us into a conscious awareness of the presence of God. They'll trust him with everything they had. And we saw that in our example and in Genesis twenty two twelve, and he said, Lay not thine hand upon thy lad, neither do him do thou anything unto him. Abraham was he gave him everything. 
They'll have a desire to, to consciously be in his presence at all times. Psalm 1611 says, Thou wilt show me the path of thy life. In thy presence is the fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures evermore. <laughs> what a God. They will do everything he commands. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, then thou shalt have good success. The character of a God-fearing man, if they fail, they'll ask for forgiveness and strength to do better. Listen to David's prayer after his wicked sin with Bathsheba. Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. Worship means to honor with extravagant love. And listen to this next statement. Worship the Lord means to honor the, uh, with extravagant love and extreme submission. When's the last time you extremely submitted to church? When's the last time you extremely submitted to reading your Bible? Uh, husbands, when's the last time you extremely submitted to loving your wife like Christ loves the church? Wives, when's the last time you extremely submitted to submitting to your husband? When's the last time we extremely worship the Lord with our wallets and the mission giving and the special offerings? The tithe is just a test. I'm sorry, that's not giving. That's a test. <laughs> Beep, this is just a test. <clears throat> It's not yours. It's not yours. He's just seeing if he can test you. It's to adore, to pay divine honors to, to reverence with, with supreme respect and veneration. Well, I'm just a simple old country boy, so I had to look the word veneration up. The highest degree of respect and reverence. The highest Respect mingled with some degree of awe, a feeling or sentiment of excitement by the dignity and superiority of a person or by the sacredness of his character. What a savior. He came to seek and to save those which are lost. He was full of compassion that we saw this morning in the message. What a savior. Can I tell you something? Worship's not reserved for church services. It really isn't. The very best times I believe I've ever experienced in my life is my personal time with God. If I can say it like this, it's a one-on-one -on -one encounter. Most of the time, it's around 5, 30, 6, or 7 in the morning. After I've been with him for uh, several hours, after I've been reading or come across a, a particular verse and would study it, and, and it'd be like the Spirit of God swept through the room. And, and honestly, I don't know about you, but I call them God bumps because my, my skin begins to, to just... Get those little bumps, those goose bumps or God bumps. Whatever. It's you can sense his presence. He'll speak to your heart. It's absolutely incredible. It's amazing. Read my Bible in an attitude of prayer. You can sense his presence. Sometimes just going down the road, listening to a good godly music. Amen. You can get a little happy. Everybody looking over at you and you're crying over there slinging snot. And they don't know what's going on. Amen. You're just listening to a good old fashioned song. And the Lord spoke to your heart. But giving is also a form of worship. Deuteronomy 26.10 says, And now behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land. Oh, so many times we bring him our second best. I'm not complaining, Brother Kavanaugh, but you said to say a few things, amen, about the missions. So many times uh, people will give you their old suit because they got a new one. And they're happy that they gave you something. Amen. So many times missionaries feel like second-rate preachers. I've had pastors pat me on the back and say, Well, praise the Lord, Brother Van Horn. I used to preach in prison when I first got started too. <laughs> well, I've just got started and I'm still going and it's been 20 years. Amen. And if the only pulpit I can find to preach in is a prison, hallelujah. I'm putting you all in orange jumpsuits anyhow. It's a whole lot easier to preach to a bunch of inmates. <laughs> hallelujah. But I want you to take a quick look at his hand today. His hand will hold you up in the time of trouble. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee, yea. I will uphold thee with the right hand of righteousness. There's something about a person who has the desire to live righteous. You have a special 
place with the Lord. Psalm chapter 4. I love Psalm chapter 4. The Lord hath set apart for himself them that live godly. (laughs) Woo! Hallelujah. Man, what a verse. The psalmist was confident in that very hand that will point and direct the angels, a host of angels, to your rescue and to your protection, as our psalmist declares in Psalm 91. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation. Just hanging out with God, if you will. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Wow, that's a wonderful hand. His hand is a safe place. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Friend, if you think you can lose your salvation, get in a rocket ship and start flying at the rate of 186,000 miles per second, 5.8 trillion miles per year, and do that for 13.3 billion years. And when you run into the edge of God's hand, you'll find all exits have been sealed by the Holy Ghost of God. (laughs) What a Savior. Hallelujah. And in Judah, the hand of God was to give one heart to do the commandment of the king and the princes by the word of the Lord. It will give believers unity. Oh, if we could come into the church house with unity, with one thing on our mind, two things, if you will, to worship the Lord and praise him for his magnificent works towards us men and ladies, and then go do his work so others can experience the same joy that we have in serving him. It's a hand of instruction. I will teach you by the hand of God. That which is with the Almighty, I will not conceal. Thank God you have a preacher that will stand behind this pulpit and teach the whole counsel of God. God help you if you ever hold back the truth. Amen. Keep preaching. Preach the truth. Let it hit square between the eyes and fall where it may. Amen. And I hope it falls on fallow ground. When it falls on good ground, hey, can I tell you, the seed will grow. His hand will ensure a good hot meal and like I wrote down, and a good Coke to wash it down. Amen. There's nothing better for a man than he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father above. Amen. You had a good meal today like I did? Hallelujah. It came from the Father above. Hallelujah. The last time we see the phrase, the hand of God, the last time it's used, gives us the complete formula needed for a successful and satisfying life. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Sometimes we think too highly of ourselves. (laughs) Amen? Guilty. When we see ourselves standing by the presence of the almighty, holy, wonderful, magnificent, loving God, we can soon fall into a size of a golf ball in Canis Majoris real quick. You can't even take the head of a pencil and and put a dab on the wall and recognize ourselves in the eyes of the almighty God. When you take your place in his plan, he'll take your place in the problems. Amen? He'll help you. we got to allow him to be God. But honestly, church, tonight, what drives me, what drives me to, to tell sinners about the Savior, and I, I absolutely love soul winning. I absolutely love to tell people about the Lord. I look for veterans. If a veteran's got a hat on, he's going to get a witness. Do we have veterans tonight? How many tonight do we have all over the room? Do we have a, a Vietnam veterans tonight? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Amen. All of you, if I missed a hand, thank you so much. Vietnam was a rough war, but can I tell you something about Vietnam? Those that had the Lord or found him soon after, they have victory. Yeah, he's worthy. They learned how to overcome the horrible sights that they saw. They, They learned how to overcome some of the things that they were forced to do under the name of war. 
They overcame those things by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. They overcame them understanding that God is a loving God and that God needs them. Uh, I believe it was Vogel. I think it's Steve Vogel wrote a book, Growing Up in Vietnam. Has anyone ever read that book? Tremendous book, Growing Up in Vietnam, how he, how he uh, came to know Christ. I believe it was after uh, he came home, but absolutely an incredible book. But in my mind, what drives me to be a soul winner is one day there's going to be the other hand of God. It's not the right hand, but it's the left hand. And the Bible says, then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. That's not going to be a happy time for our Savior. When he died on that cross, the Bible said he tasted death for every man. Every man. He didn't pick and choose who he was going to let go to heaven. Amen. That's a, that's a bunch of nonsense. He tasted death for every man. And some people, the only way they will hear is through our mission programs. I don't know if you get this email every day. I, I get an email every day from what's called the Joshua Project. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The Joshua Project? You ought to, you ought to look it up and sign up to get their emails. Every day you will get a country, the name of a country that will show you a person or a people group, they'll show you a person from that country, and they will give you the statistics of that country, the population, the language. They'll tell you what religion they belong to. They'll tell you that if it made the Joshua Project, less than 1.5% or less than 2% are Christians, and many of them have never heard the gospel. It'll not only break your heart for the world, but it will help you to understand really what we have here in America. And since we have great knowledge of the Lord, who's been given much, amen, we're trusted with much. We're required to do more because we know more. The Lord does not want to point anybody to hell. And it's up to us to take what we know, to do what we can so others can know Christ. I did a little math, I believe it was yesterday morning. After I talked with, with uh, Brother Cavanaugh, I was uh, in, the, in the hospital with my dad. He had a little uh, a heart cath. Everything's fine. He's doing good. Um, and I, I got to doing some math. I got to thinking, you know what, Brother Cavanaugh, you ought to do, and maybe you still have time to do it. Go back through some of your missionary letters for the years and find out how many souls have been saved last year because of your mission program. And then maybe do a little bit of math and find out how much each one of those souls cost. I did a little bit of math to find out just with our partners that we partner with, Brother John Shelley and myself, that we partner with in, in Africa alone, over 55 of them. Last year, 17,800 souls. I took the amount of support that you folks have, have so faithfully given us for years, and I divided that into each other and came up with $9.33 per soul. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? Every 10 bucks means someone gets to go to heaven. Hallelujah. How many could reach in your pocket tonight and find a $10 bill? You'll give it to McDonald's, amen. $9.33 is what you invested for one of those 17,000 souls. I don't know about you, but I just love giving to the Lord. We're putting together another container. Uh, we're sending a container to Sierra Leone. We have a church plant. Preacher, we're working right now. We're assisting five different national men in church plants. It's incredible. Our national partners, we have, we have good godly men and with fundamental Bible-believing churches in uh, different areas in Uganda and Togo and, and uh, um, Nigeria as well as there in Sierra alone. And these men have young men that have studied and are ready to go do something for God. And one fellow has gone to Sierra Leone, one of the largest uh, uh, cities in that country, and, and that man uh, has not only began reaching the prisoners, but he has started a little church. And we're sending him a container full of Bibles and gospel tracts. Just giving him some tools. And it just takes a little bit of money. Uh, we just finished 
uh, had a, a businessman give us a little bit of money to, to put the roof on top of a, a church for, our, we call him the Apostle Paul. He's our, main, he's our main partner in Uganda. The man's incredible. He's got all of these men working underneath him, going to so many different prisons. The names keep rolling in of the prisons and how many were saved and how many services we had. It's incredible. We put a roof on his building for $1,800. It's amazing. His entire church building got washed away in a, in, a, in a rainstorm. They don't even have a well on their property, and they have a Christian school with 100 kids. I thought, boy, if I could just find 3000 bucks, I'd put a well on their place. I told my wife sometimes, I said, i got to just quit going overseas because every time I come back, I want to spend more money. <laughs> I want to do more. I want to do more. I want to do more. I just want to keep them out of hell. And that's the reason why Jesus came. I don't know if that helped you tonight, but the next time you want to complain, why don't you think about that hand for just a minute and the size of our God and understand that he loved you enough to go like this. He'll love you enough to do this and to take care of you. Amen. I know one thing for sure. I certainly would not want that hand. I would not want that hand uh, being the one that would chasten me. Uh, the, <laughs> whoo, I wouldn't want the blow of that hand. I'd rather have him love me and take care of me. Amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody looking around tonight. How many say, Brother Van Horn, I, I'm going to be honest with you tonight. I have been complaining. I, I haven't been trusting the Lord like I should. And the message tonight, understanding the love of God and the size of God has helped me to to see that I need to just be a man or a lady of great faith and put my trust in Him more than I have. Would you just slip your hand up tonight? Is that you? Hands all over the room. Thank you. How many would say tonight, Brother Van Horn, I know without a shadow of a doubt, I know that I know that I know that I'm on my way to heaven. Slip your hand up. Would you do that? All over the room. I would imagine everyone in the room is saved. But I would hate to take that for granted. Is there someone tonight that would say, Brother Van Horn, when I found out how big God is tonight, it made me a little nervous because I'm not sure that heaven would be my home. Is there anybody like that tonight that would slip your hand up? Amen. Tonight I'd like to challenge you to do something at this altar. I'd like you to come up and just bring your problems and give them to him and trust him. The Bible says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I do not know what you're going through, and I'm sure it's a very difficult situation. But I do know one thing. If God told me to praise Him through it, I'm going to do what He said. Is it easy? It's not always easy to thank God for trials and tribulations. It really isn't. I praise the Lord for my wife. She's, she's incredible. I love her. She's She's right behind me. My wife has had some physical problems for 31, 32 years. It's never gone away. She deals with it every day of her life. Sometimes it's hard to praise the Lord for pain. But yet when you do it His way, can I tell you when you do it His way, it's the right way. And He'll give you the peace to get your way through it. Tonight, if you have a need, would you make your way to this old-fashioned altar? Your preacher will come. Father, I love you tonight. I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for these dear people, Lord. Thank you for the, the great service tonight, Lord. I hope that it, that it honored and glorified you. I, I did my best for you tonight, Lord. And I pray if there is someone in this room tonight that's lost, that they would understand the gospel message is so simple. Jesus Christ, God the Son, came to this earth through the virgin birth of Mary. Lived on this earth 33 and a half years, sinless, never sinned once, never thought of it. And then would die on that cross for the sins of the world. But three days later, he would come out of that grave, conquering death and hell. And you said, if we'll believe that with our heart and ask you to come into our lives, that you said you'd give us total, complete, everlasting forgiveness. Lord, if there's someone in this room tonight that has not done that, I pray that you would help them. Lord, there may be someone in here that's fighting to surrender to full-time ministry. I ask you to just let them give in, Lord, and come. Father, we love you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.